Welcome to Tales from the Rabbit Hole. I'm your host, Mick West. My guest today is Jeremy Riss, who goes by the name Alien Scientist on Twitter and YouTube and on his website, alienscientist.com. And he also has a couple of other new uh, websites uh, in process. And we're going to talk about uh, our kind of areas of mutual interest. I looked at his website and it's got a, a big section on conspiracy and it's got a section on debunking called the Debunk Bin and a bunch of other stuff about technology and aliens. All stuff that I'm very interested in, so uh, I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about. So, uh, Jeremy, welcome to Tales from the Rabbit Hole. Hey, thanks for having me on, Mick. So, yeah, I was fascinated by your website, and of course we've kind of like chatted very briefly on uh, on Twitter about these types of things. You describe yourself as, well, your name is Alien Scientist, and that kind of, I guess, covers some of your areas of interest. Can you describe kind of how that name came about and what it really means? Oh, well, I think I was starting, you know, getting into a lot of this stuff back um, in 2002, maybe 2003, mm. and um, started researching a lot of stuff. I would always, I was actually more interested in physics. I, I had started, uh, I, I was a freshman in college um, when 9-11 happened, and that kind of uh, opened me up to thinking about things a little bit differently after, but not not right away, but years later. And um, I started looking at, I didn't really find disclosure project till probably like 2004 2005 even though that had come out in 2001 and i i dug a lot i remember digging a lot through disclosure project you know way back in the day and um, a lot of those witnesses when that all first came out and um and uh i wanted to put together a website and a, and a name to sort of uh you know embody kind of this 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 idea and i i come up with this alien scientist name and that's that's sort of been the channel i created and and i eventually got a website and I'm redoing the website now to, you know, upgrade it and stuff because I haven't done any updates in quite a while. And you know, you do as you do a lot more research on these things over the years, your views sometimes change on on certain yeah. things. So, so um, I want to talk about that a little bit. I want to talk about some of the uh, some of the things that we we maybe maybe agree on, some of the things that we maybe disagree on, because um, there's a lot of overlap and we we study a lot of. Uh, a lot of things of similar interest with a, you know, a different, a different eye of skepticism and, yeah. and, uh, and interest as well. Cause. So I guess, uh, why don't we start with something that we, we agree on, <clears throat> uh, in your, your debunk bin, you have a, a section on chemtrails and you've got a, a variety of like, well, kind of a long, a long page kind of, uh, discussing like how you debunk chemtrails. What kind of led you to actually like write about that? Well, I kept seeing it. Um, a, a lot of these, I feel like it's it, it's weird because I have my own theory about a lot of these people on on um, and and how they're influenced on social media with b- the bots and and that that sort of thing. But I kept seeing a lot of this uh, stuff reappear on my feed about chemtrails and 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 all these other conspiracies. I remember back when Sandy Hook was uh, a thing that was a real popular one that was going around a lot and and. Uh, as well as the Boston bombing, the marathon bombing, which happened right here in Boston. And I'm, of course, I, I, I'm from Boston. I lived there for a couple of years. So I did my own investigation right here locally, like right after that had happened and went to try to, you know, see if I could find any kind of follow-up evidence for any of the conspiracy theories. And I found that a lot of it was just made up stuff. And, and it was a lot of it was fake um, from, from my own investigation. And I, I put together a whole page on that, um, 
as well with uh, some right. of the videos that I took. I actually went to the scenes and, and filmed the blood on the ground where the pipe bombs wow. went off in the street, you know, documented these things right away. So people couldn't say that they were made up later or that, you know, they didn't happen or, that, you know, they were different. And, um, you know, so I went to actually to Watertown to, uh, you know, Dexter and Laurel Street where the shootout happened and, and filmed, uh, you know, on scene to try to do some of my own investigation. And, uh, yeah, I, so I've, I've done a lot of things. There's also a page on Bob Lazar there, and I've also seen you. I, I made a whole another website for, for that, which I need to update, too, with all the new research and more stuff that's been coming out in the past few months um, on Bob Lazar. Because I know you, you've uh, talked about Bob Lazar uh, yeah, quite yeah. a bit. He's the, and, uh, uh, the guy who claims to have worked at uh, Area 51 and have uh, had first-hand experience of alien spaceships and handled uh, Element 115 and... Uh, a whole bunch of things that uh, seem rather suspicious. Yes, uh, the senior staff physicist who doesn't have a curriculum vitae, uh, never written any or any published papers that you can find anywhere. Um, yeah. Kind of, kind of, kind of curious fellow. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah. There's a lot of uh, interesting research we've done on him and 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 on Element 115, where the whole thing came from. Um, I sent you a lot of stuff on that when it was first uh, getting, uh, you know, it's, it's gotten quite a bit of attention. And, and I'm, I'm really surprised that Joe Rogan had him on and, and didn't show him the same kind of questioning and skepticism that he shows a lot of his other guests. On a lot yeah, of other I was kind of surprised at, at Joe's uh, kind of, he's almost like he swung back into the uh, the whole UFO thing, like full bore. I mean, he used to be a bit more skeptical, you know, because he used to be like a big believer in the moon hoax. That we didn't land on the moon and then he kind of flip flopped back the other way and uh he's had me on a couple of times and i'm very skeptical and then now he seems to be a believer of bob lazar which seems a bit bizarre to me right i'm surprised that he hasn't had you back on the kind of and then he had sean carroll on like a week later after it was his next guest after bob lazar and he didn't ask him a word about element one for 15 or any of the physics yeah. or, or any anything about bob lazar which i was also surprised about well, maybe I'll get to go back on and uh, clear it up, clear things up a bit more. Although it'll probably, uh, <laughs> it probably won't help that much. I think Joe's just uh, really interested in uh, in aliens, and well, you know, obviously you're very interested in uh, in in aliens. I mean, your name, alien scientist, it's about, um, I guess, alien technology. Would you describe it as that? Yeah, I've always been interested in, you know, gravity and anti-gravity and, mm -hmm. and also classified uh, spacecraft, you know, like uh, Richard Feynman was who the guy who got me into physics. And of course, he was recruited out of MIT at like 18 to go work on a very top secret project called the Manhattan Project, which built the atomic bomb. Um, I'm sure you're aware of that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, it involved... Uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and the government was able to keep it secret for years. And, uh, and it sort of got me, you know, interested in, in the beliefs that, you know, maybe it's possible that, you know, the government has these, has recovered stuff, you know, this whole thing of Roswell, the whole, the whole point of Roswell that's ever always intrigued me has been the idea that there was something else recovered and there was a material switch and that project mogul was of course a cover story. That's what, that's what all the conspiracy theorists sort of cling to. So my whole focus has always been the materials that these people reported. And, um, you know, some of the skeptics and debunkers say, well, they didn't report those right away. It wasn't until 15 years later that people started coming out and talking. But that, that's also could be consistent with the cover up, too, because the people were threatened not to talk. So I try to give both sides like a benefit of the doubt, but really look for, you know, concrete evidence. And, and uh, one of the and one of the interesting things that I watched back in the day was uh, a documentary called um, The Case for Anti-Gravity. Um, 
and this was back in like 2000 it had to have been 2001 or 2002 that that came out maybe even the late 90s but at the brief at the end of it he briefly mentions uh edgar fouché and um he was an Area 51 employee and uh, someone I actually later got in contact with and, and tried to do a lot of follow-up research with. And, and, uh, and um, he's, he was actually one of the first person people that really like showed me that Bob Lazar was, was, wasn't the real deal and that he never worked out there. And that like, we went and did this whole investigation. We got all the satellite photos of S4 and Papoose Lake going back, you know, to the Russian satellite photos going back to the sixties. And we like went through like chronologically and traced it out. Has there ever been a, a base built at Papoose Lake? Was there ever something there? And, and we've pretty uh, clearly shown that there's never been anything out at Papoose Lake, that the, this whole S4 facility was based on rumors that he'd heard about a place called Site 4. And that uh, it's really it's really kind of crazy that uh, all Bob Lazar gets all the attention when it comes to Area 51, but the, the guys like the Roadrunners and T.D. Barnes, who actually worked out there and are, are the real uh, veterans that, like, people don't even pay attention to those guys or really talk about them and their stories. And, and they have a, a lot more interesting things to say, I believe, than, than Bob about about what goes on out there so, and the things so, that they can talk about so do you think that uh so your your, your theory here is that uh, an alien spaceship crashed at area 51 and the government recovered it and they've been using the technology that they've extracted from that spaceship no well uh, that's not my sense? theory that's not yeah. my theory. That's not my theory. That's that. That's the theory that goes around. And I just I look for evidence of that theory, and I found a lot mm. of evidence against that theory in the scientific record of just 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 this alone, right? I, I always throw this in their face, and I say, you know, um, here this would have this would have happened, and we would have seen this happen in the 1950s, for example. This is something I point to. I say we this would have happened in the 1950s had we found something at Roswell in late 1947 that caused all this. This would have this would have been developed, and this would have like come out. That's, oh, so that's, your theory is I, that because technology didn't advance fast enough, then nothing was discovered back then. I don't know. It's a good case against it. I say it's a good case okay. against it. I don't say that. You know, I, I try to point out that it's a good case against this sort of thing. That having if this really did happen, we'd see more evidence of it in the in the record. But the thing is, I, I feel I time and time again i'm tracing things back to the real theory and, and real people humans that worked on this stuff mm-hmm. and I, I think it's almost like a dis uh, a disservice to the scientists to say that we got this from aliens or that it was you know was given to guys like vannevar bush at mit um as supposedly head of the mj12 commission okay. he, uh, so like with with aliens then so you don't think that we've developed alien technology from uh from roswell uh do you think we've developed alien technology from aliens at all at some point i don't see the evidence for it because i i I trace things back to the you know the origins of kind of area 51 and how it started with uh, a guy named you know edward mills purcell and project rainbow and uh, he won of course the nobel prize for nuclear magnetic resonance and understood a lot about how electromagnetic uh, waves interact with matter and um and a lot of the research that uh, from from what I've seen, a lot of the research that goes on out there is related to, you know, electronic countermeasures and electronic counter countermeasures and uh, basically how to how to fool radar and how to be invisible from radar and, and how to um, evade radar systems and, and build stealth. Stealth has been like number one on, on a lot of their lists for years. And, mm-hmm. and it has, I don't believe that they've I don't believe that they've ever had a site similar to what Bob Lazar describes, where they have a hangar full of these, you know, 
crashed alien spacecraft with all these different models and types from different star systems and, yeah. and whatnot. I think it's a fantastic story and 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 uh, one that I you know was a great part of my childhood. But uh, you know, growing up seeing this on unsolved mysteries back in the '90s, but um, it, it's not a part of of uh, I don't see it as a reality because it, it, the technologies, um, the way no. the technologies developed, it, it would. I saw an interview with you. I think it was at AlienCon. Uh, oh yeah, you were there. I thought you said there that you thought that there was some technology that came from from aliens. Is that not true? Well, that's the idea. Is that is that that's what's coming out now? That's what um, Elizondo is alleging, and that's what that's what um, these people from the to the Stars Academy are alleging that they have material that's been recovered from aliens and stuff. But you disagree and, with uh, that? I don't know. I don't know whether what I what to believe. I it, it's I'm certainly a skeptic, and I and I don't think that uh, a lot of the things that they've said so far have have been in in. You know they they don't talk enough about the science and enough they have these scientists on their team that should know a lot about this these types of things and they've written and published papers on a lot of really interesting topics that they used to talk about but they don't talk about anymore and I think that that's that's very interesting um, you know it, it, there's a lot of a lot of patents and a lot of stuff coming out right now suggesting you know we have some type of technology or we cracked some type of technology that's that's on a, on a higher level. And I've talked to a lot of people that believe that, you know, um, there's a lot of people in the community that, that even have the theory that we cracked it, you know, 50, 50 years ago, uh, back in the 1950s and stuff. So I've sort of, what I've sort of done and, and the whole thing about uh, what we were doing at, at um, AlienCon is the launch of this uh, Falcon space program with my friend Mark there. And uh, what we want to do is basically create a physics lab to do experiments to, to see, we'll go back in time. And we, we've already done a lot of the Bifel Brown stuff, which is like the earliest, that was the 1920s to 19, you know, 50s and 60s. Again, what we're, we're assuming is that they figured it out and they, they had this, we can, we can research and re-go over and re-look the history of all these works and, and put together a whole list of them, which we've compiled um, uh, now, a, a, a long list of all the different studies that, that have been done into anti-gravity. And um, we're hoping to basically like redo them or replicate a lot of them, the ones that are within our budget or within the, the or, and we found a lot of other people and scientists and other labs that have already done a lot of these uh, experiments themselves. And we're yeah. asking, we're asking for their like support and help and basically trying to rediscover this technology if it exists. And in the so, process of doing this, we haven't found anything. <laughs> right. So you're saying you're looking at all these papers where people have claimed that they've discovered some kind of anti-gravitational effect. Oh, and not just you're papers, trying to I'm looking at, replicate like, it. Well, these are real uh, U.S. Boeing, um, uh, you know, Lockheed Martin. Uh, um, these are real aerospace studies that were, um, you know, s some some cases a uh, million dollar, half a million dollar studies. And there's even ongoing studies that that um, are are particular interests that that are going on with DARPA right. currently, like the quantized inertia stuff. Um, DARPA has a couple million into into that right now. With, um, I don't understand like why you would be doing it. I mean, what's you know, we want to replicate it ourselves because because we don't know whether you can trust you know we, we want to you know you can't trust anything on the internet nowadays mm. it's it's kind of like the experimental method is the best way to, to to prove to yourself or prove to everyone else that you know this does work or it doesn't it doesn't in fact work because okay. there's all kinds of people claiming that you know this is how you do it and this is how it works 
And then, you know, if we want to be like that beacon of, you know, like, well, we're going to actually try it. And if it does work, we'll report it. But if it doesn't, we'll also report it too, you know? So so have you done any experiments yet that have produced results? We haven't got any positive results yet in any of our experiments, but we're hoping to have some coming up that, that, Mm. um, with, uh, that that are going into a lot of the newer theories and stuff, basically. Uh, so what do you think is the most promising, uh, avenue of technology here that you, you think you're going to find some results, uh, in? I think that, um, I think the, um, basically it's, it's, you're producing polaritons using a, uh, a system, um, a system of waves and in, in, in a medium. So basically you pump this medium full of waves and you get the waves going at a, at a high enough oscillation and it creates these um, particle antiparticle pairs called polaritons. Um, and the whole idea is that it, that you creating a, a surface around your craft to, um, and, and you polariton, you create these polaritons around the entire surface of your craft. It polarizes the, the vacuum energy density and basically breaks all those um, quantum information loops um, through quantum, which breaks quantum entanglement at the boundary layer. Um, and that breaking of quantum entanglement allows this sort of quantum slipstream effect to uh, take place if it exists. And, and the math works, and the and the, ma- and the math looks like it checks out. And uh, is this is this actually something you could actually demonstrate in your lab, though? Not with the material science we have currently. Um, we need um, some more advanced techniques to build uh, these types of materials and, um, and also a little bit more advanced um, radio and computer systems to uh, sort of activate the, these fields and run this. Um, we're currently looking into that and working on it, but um, it's been difficult. Right. So uh, kind of switching gears a little bit, like, yeah. like UFOs and UFO encounters, like stuff like the, the recent videos that have been out of the Nimitz and the GoFast and the Gimbal videos. What do you think about, uh, what do you think about those? What do you think is going on there? Well, I think it's, I've been saying from the start that I think it's my, my, my take on it was that it's electronic counter countermeasures. Um, what are basically, um, in radar insertion where they can fake false radar insertion and they can also create false visuals. And there's a couple different ways they could do that. Drone swarms uh, is, is one theory. Um, and I know I've discussed these with guys like Gary Voorhees, who you had on your show uh, recently, um, who swears, no, it couldn't have been that. I saw it on the big eyes and, and, and I saw it through this and that. Um, it could also have been um, these these balloons that they released through, you know, Project Palladium. And, and um, I had mentioned some some of these types of things before. And, and then someone came out with this article on the drive.com that talked about Project Palladium and Project Nemesis, which were two of these these projects that, that were uh, they released these balloons from subs or the, and there's also missiles that launch from subs, which look very similar to that and to that uh, tic tac uh, shaped object that goes flying across the water at, uh, at high speed. So there's uh, there's any number of like mm-hmm. very human explanations for these things, and I lean towards human explanations because this that's a you look at where it occurred. It's it's uh, right in a, a bay where uh, about a about sixty miles from where um, the U.S. Navy has a U.S. Navy tra- SEAL training station uh, at San Clemente Island, where they do tons of tests for the U.S. Navy. Um, there's a couple of things that were weird about the encounter. It's that the air force was, had something to do with it. And they were there on the ship to confiscate the tapes within 15 minutes, which means they were probably already on board unless they have some kind of crazy technology that teleported them on board. Um, 
Um, so, so there's lots of lots of things that lead me towards thinking that the Air Force was running some type of drill with uh, some technology that they have and testing that out on the Navy on um, this flight carrier group. You know, for uh, for for someone whose uh, name is alien scientist, you don't really seem to be uh, that much in favor of aliens as a, a good hypothesis for anything. What did the aliens come in in your uh, in your worldview? Well. Uh, you look at metamaterials and, and also uh, what they've done with carbon nanotube, uh, nanotubes and uh, heat coatings for creating mirage effect. They can basically, there's any number of ways to make things invisible. And if you figured out warp drive technology, then you, you've surely figured out electromagnetics and spe- and frequencies and spectrums. And, and you mm-hmm. can you can make yourself invisible. So I've always liked the Star Trek kind of approach. I don't love Star Wars in the background. It doesn't really mesh with the Star Trek. But I've always liked the Star Trek universe where... Uh, um, the prime directive, you know, all, you know, post-warp civilizations don't really talk to, you know, pre-warp civilizations. <laughs> so you think that if aliens, uh, you know, exist and they're visiting us, we wouldn't see them because they would be hiding themselves. Exactly. They'd have the technology and, you know, and they, if you saw them, they'd be showing themselves to you. And it's much more, much more likely that the things, these, these UFOs, um, in fact, I've made it like a, I've talked to some of the best debunkers out there too, like, you know, on these UFO cases that have, have debunked countless of these things that like the, well, these lights that were around uh, area 51, that were actually these things that are on the bighorn sheep. They're, really? they're, uh, <laughs> we found out they put these lights on the bighorn sheep out there so that they, they, they know that they're where they are and they can wow. see them. <laughs> That's so funny. I and, haven't and heard that and uh, and there's all these there was these circular containers out there, and they're actually water troughs to 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 get provide water for these herds of bighorn sheep out out, out near Area 51 and in those canyons out there and stuff. Uh-huh. And these people saw these circular things from space and were saying they were saucers out there, you know. So it's like there's perfectly benign explanations for some of this stuff, but you, you just have to do the research, and then when you find it, you can't be like. I really wanted to believe it was the saucer, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you got like a bunch of things on your your debunk bin, and I, I see you got uh, one 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 page on. You got you got a lot on various alien things. You got a whole page on ancient aliens. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> I stopped after a point. <laughs> yeah, ancient aliens. That's been going on for like thirty seasons or something, now, hasn't it? It's very, very, very popular. I think it's. Uh, you know, shows like that are kind of in 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 a large sense responsible for a lot of the UFO sightings, just because people like see see the ancient alien show and they get uh, to be UFO fans, and then they go out and look at the sky and they see a plane in the distance and call it a UFO. Um, so I, the one thing that caught my eye here was uh, you've got Dr. Judy Wood and you've got mm-hmm. mini nukes. And those are both two things that are nine eleven uh, related. Like Judy Woods claims that the the towers were destroyed with energy beams from space or from mm-hmm. somewhere. And the mini nukes theory uh, is that there were nuclear uh, bombs placed under each of the three buildings, so three different uh, bombs, and that's mm-hmm. what destroyed the buildings. Which is, you know, pretty ridiculous. But there seems to be a bunch of people who believe in it, and it's, it's kind of interesting for me. Like people always. You know, there's kind of a conspiracy spectrum with fairly reasonable conspiracies at one end and completely batshit crazy conspiracies at the other end, and people draw the line somewhere along the, the, that spectrum. Mm-hmm. I noticed that you, you know, you're obviously you're debunking things like the mini nukes and the Judy Wood uh, stuff, but you've also got like a page on your conspiracy section uh, about various yeah, 9/11 
related conspiracies, in, in, including like the the pullet thing for uh, demolishing Building Seven. So, where do you draw the line personally on nine eleven conspiracies? What's what would you say is the kind of the more extreme thing along there that you think actually happened? Do you think that they were destroyed with explosives? I think that I think that there was very definitely um, some type of explosives or or, uh, or incendiaries in the buildings that a, a minimal amount that was covered up. Um, I, I thought that the first day when I watched it happen in a room mm. full of uh, physics students and all my physics professors, we were all like, "Oh, these buildings were blown up for sure." That's this momentum had to be conserved, and the way that they, they came down so like straight, um, really kind of was like a telltale thing for me. And I, and it's sort of led, um, a lot of those investigations into this. Um, I, I was doing a lot of investigations early on with, uh, my, um, a friend of a friend, a friend of the families that I, I, I know this guy named Jonathan Cole, who's an engineer. Mm, yeah. I know. And, um, we had put together, um, this pay- channel called physics and reason. Um, I helped him with a lot of the theories for, for these experiments to do, do some of these experiments to really test these things. Cause these were the, these were the, um, one of the pieces of evidence that particularly caught my eye was, uh, you know, the forensic evidence from nine 11, um, particularly appendix C of the FEMA report with that steel from uh, world trade center seven that showed the, the eutectic formation and the sulfide, uh, sulfidation of the steel. And, um, we were particularly curious about the official explanation for the source of that sulfur and the sulfidation that it had come from drywall gypsum. And so we put together a theory to test that hypothesis um, called the, you know, the mysterious eutectic. That's the video um, on there on that channel. And um, basically we did a bunch of experiments to try to get steel to sulfidate this way in a, in a normal office fire in a, in a normal fire condition um, with jet fuel and, uh, and other things. And we could not reproduce the uh, the results that were, were observed in, in that um, appendix C of the FEMA report, that melting and that sulfidation of the steel. And I always thought that that um, was uh, it was a lot. Of, there was a lot of interesting um, characteristics that were reported um, from the rubble and the crime scenes from 9/11 um, that were consistent with uh, the use of high temperature uh, um, accelerants such as thermite. And um, I was always curious as to why NIST didn't avoided doing any sort of um, chemical testing or evaluation um, in their uh, analysis and and, in their report. Um, I've been interested in this whole 9-11 thing. And and while this whole thermite stuff was starting to gain a lot of traction back in like 2005, 2006, um, is when a lot of this, um, this, this particular group of people, including uh, Morgan Reynolds and James Fetzer, uh, came out and they got on Fox News and a bunch of other channels to kind of promote these uh, 9-11 conspiracy theories. But they'd always mix in um, this hologram stuff or, or uh, these no plane theories or all these um, more exotic and ridiculous theories. Um, and I, I realized it was almost like a, a, a public brainwashing kind of um, effect that it had. Is, is that it's like a straw man effect. It's like if we put on a bunch of fake conspiracy theories and then we debunk the crap out of them, then everyone will think this has been debunked and no one will look into the real stuff when they see the, when they see any real stuff come along or any kind of real evidence or real information come along, so which I found is... It's like dis- discrediting by association. You think it's like a deliberate propaganda plot to discredit genuine 9-11 investigations by putting this I kind feel of crazy like that, stuff? That this group is, is, is very um, 
can be traced back to the, the, the roots of this group. And I think they're connected to a, a, a COINTELPRO operation um, or a, a psychological operation. As I said before, I've called these people, you know, um, I've said they're, they're all connected. They all wrote, they wrote, uh, Morgan Reynolds wrote the first papers on the directed energy weapons hypothesis with Judy Wood on that space laser stuff. And, um, and it was right after they came out and, and wrote a, a bunch of other stuff that they write, they, they write some stuff that seems like it's good, but then they, then they, then they, they mix it in with all this, you know, Judy Wood did this floor by floor analysis and built this whole physics model of the collapse of the world trade center floor by floor and, and, and show it and, and built this really nice uh, model of, of, you know, the mat and the calculations for how it would work. But then she came out right after that with the space laser stuff and was saying, you know, that the, you know, the, the toast, the cars were toasted and, uh, and uh, all this, all this evidence for um, you know nanoparticles of uh, aluminum and oxide and uh, and um, and iron. I mean, iron oxide and aluminum were really were na weren't nanothermite, but they were um, created through uh, vaporization of yeah. building materials the through the space dust laser dustification. Thing. I think she called it. All the all the iron, the steel turned to dust, which doesn't really make any sense on a uh, kind of a molecular sense. The energy released there would be kind of large. I think. Uh, it would. It would be a couple. Of, I think it was um, nine point six terajoules or something. I have the, the yeah. numbers on the, on my website. I did, it's been years since I did all that stuff. But uh, one of the best articles that came out with the was Kevin Ryan. He he put this article out on who could have rigged the World Trade Center with explosives. Uh, Kevin Ryan um, of uh, Dig Within his blog. I think he's yeah. done some. Some really interesting. He, he raises some le more legitimate questions than most all the other 9/11 researchers I've seen out there have raised, uh, and uh, especially the, there's a lot of ideological groups within the 9/11 uh, conspiracy movement too that I, I, I feel uh, they're trying to blame it on the group that they hate the most, and, mm -hmm. and it's so so it's really they're just looking at it from this one side, and then you know you look at that whole. Um, Karl Popper, uh, I, a view of um, skepticism, it, it, it's that we have to look for disconfirmation as well as confirmation. And too many of those people just go out and search for all the facts that can confirm what they want to believe rather than trying to find things that disconfirm it as well. And so I think it's important for, for uh, you know, skeptics to take kind of like both sides of that, you know, not just make a mockery sure, yeah. of, of everything, you know, what, you know, try to take it a little bit more seriously. And um, when, when you when you look into these things, because you might be overlooking something, especially with the way that, that I've seen all this stuff set up with, uh, you know, the other 9-11 stuff with uh, what I believe, you know, Judy Wood came out with this whole space lasers thing and she, she immediately started a campaign um, they emailed every single physics professor from every single college. And I know because three of them that I talked to, you know, I talked to a lot of physics professors because I, I talk about a lot more than, you know, just 9-11 stuff. But three, three of them that know me know I talk about 9-11 stuff sent me the Judy Wood stuff back in like, you know, so they were they were mass emailing this this material out to to the community and to a lot of people. And, and I, I think, think that's that the disinformation it done intentionally. campaign. It's done intentionally. Um, yeah. Well, well I, you know. Let's just uh, take a step back there for a second, like back to where you you know you first saw uh, the collapses. You said you were in a room of physics students and the physics professor was yeah. there. And you knew, I don't know about the, everybody else in the room, that uh, you know, because of what you saw that there had to be some kind of explosives being used. Yeah. Uh, isn't, shouldn't that by itself be enough to make the case that was some kind of conspiracy, some kind of uh, controlled demolition or some kind of 
something else going on besides the planes in the building. Why isn't that enough? To no, make the case? I think it's I think it's interesting because scientifically, if we if you would look at all the variables and all the little things that could have happened, you know, with with the models that NIST put forward for the collapse, it, it, it makes a lot of sense that um, it could have collapsed from fire the way it did. It could have, mm. you know, I say that so, it could have because you, you, mm. if it if it. It, it could have in, in in a perfect universe where everything was symmetric and everything worked out it, and, and, and the laws of physics work just right. It, it could have collapsed just from itself and not from explosives. And I think that's the reason that they, they've gotten away with it is because you're able to kind of have this scientific level of ambiguity within, you know, a certain level of research where there's, di- and there's enough disbelief that people won't look into it further. Um, I think that's, that's the, that's the reason they've gotten like, so if, if it could have collapsed from, fire alone then why do you why did you immediately think that it couldn't have well you can make the case uh through random statistics i mean you can make it a case it's exceedingly unlikely that you know it, it did uh. the way you know it did but you could statistically still make the case and still argue it you know that's that's sort of why what why the uh but, you know the skeptics still have a way out you know right but you, if you if you're saying like there's this faint possibility it could possibly have collapsed yeah, it, well, this it, is the thing I, I say is, is, is if you already believe, if you already believe that fire, uh, if you believe that fire alone, right, could have caused it to collapse the way it did, it's mm-hmm. not that hard to believe that, you know, they put in maybe a couple extra, you know, charges here and there in the buildings just to help it fall more symmetrically and more and more perfectly to get that symmetry. You know, if you can already believe the, those models that, that it could have collapsed from fire, it's not that much of an excess to believe that there were only a couple explosives inside the buildings to bring them down. Because this thing wasn't obviously, it wasn't loaded. It didn't like light up like a sparkler. And there wasn't giant pools of molten steel. There were pools of molten steel underneath the buildings. And, and even Leslie Robertson, one of the World Trade Center engineers, reported him. And I have a, I have a video clip of him um, talking about that. I don't think he said there were pools of molten steel. He said there was some molten metal dripping down. Uh, something that he saw underground when he was examining the subway, I believe. Yeah, there was there was dripping like molten metal, dripping rivers, trickling steel, and um, he, he, there's no way of knowing if it was steel or not. So. Well, here's the thing too. Also, um, pyrocool. Um, I remember reading this about pyrocool. Is this stuff that mixes with uh, water to make it extra qu- fire quenching, and it mixes with water at something like point zero four percent. And uh, the New York Fire Department ordered. Um, half a million gallons of that stuff uh not uh, enough to make a million gallons they they, they ordered two thousand gallons of the pyrocool mixture and it mixes at at, um, 0.4 percent which makes about two million gallons i think is is what it was and um they they hosed down uh the 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 whole world trade center for a month with with like two million gallons of this special fire quenching liquid and it still Mm -hmm. wasn't like too hot so there was some sort of extreme heat source there. So um, that kind of suggests something more than a few well-placed explosives, though, doesn't it? it uh, well, that's what I'm saying. It's not that it's not that hard to believe. It's not that hard of an excess to to, to say that there could have been some uh, thermite in that in that building to bring it down. And especially when you when you start going into like, well, who had the access to the buildings? Who built? Who designed the security systems? Who are the people involved with all with mm. all that but, and stuff? And that looks. Those two things don't really seem to to, to mesh there. You said that, you know, it's quite easy to think that there were a few well-placed bits of thermite to bring down the building in a more symmetrical manner. And then you're saying there's this incredible amount of heat that took months uh, of of cooling down afterwards. 
Well, that's uh, the physical evidence. So do, you, you have- do you think this, this few well-placed explosives are going to take create a huge ball of molten steel that takes months to cool down? I mean, how, how would that work? What's the physics there? Well, what's the source of that molten steel? Was It wasn't the jet fuel. Well, there wasn't. There, the isn't, there isn't really any good evidence that there was any molten steel. That no one, you know, you didn't see any big, uh, huge, solidified pieces of steel being carried away on on trucks afterwards. There was some pretty big meteorites that they carried out. Yeah, but yeah. they weren't they weren't steel. I've seen those meteorites uh, up close. I mean, they had one of them in the Memorial Museum for a while, and you know, I've seen photographs of the other one, and it's just basically concrete. And there's bits of rebar sticking out of it, which were not melted at all. So that there wasn't molten metal. There, there isn't really any good evidence, as far as I can tell, any good physical evidence of molten metal at all, really. Certainly not molten steel. And the recollections well, of people that, seeing that, molten metal only, could be something else. Well, that's, they didn't do a lot of metallurgical analysis. They, they, they selectively analyzed the steel. A lot of the pictures in the, in the FEMA report were, you know, handpicked there and they looked some of those some of that steel looks suspicious but even the pieces that they gave were very like hand selected the ones the few that they did give up for analysis mm. and very few, few of these pieces have ever undergone um, real metallurgical analysis and the few that did the ones i pointed out in appendix c of the femur report show some pretty interesting melting and high temperature corrosion uh, of the steel uh, that, that still hasn't been explained by any uh, experiment that i've seen this, there was a study done on that. Uh, I can't remember. It was some university. I'm thinking the University of Warwick, but that doesn't sound right to me. But uh, it's a, hmm. the university begins with W. Uh, and they did the study on that, the, the this bit of steel. And it looks like you know it's, it's very, very thin, like it's been burnt away somehow. Uh, you know where it is. I'm just saying that for everybody else's benefit. Uh, and they studied it and looked at the the crystallography of the steel and uh, examined it carefully. And they said, yeah, it's probably from some kind of chemical reaction. But the part of the results were they said that it, it would have taken several days to go through this, whatever process it was. So right. if, if that was correct, if that analysis is correct, then that, that would mean that it would have to be something that happened in the pile and not actually in the towers. Um, I mean, have you, are you familiar with that study at all? Uh, no, I'm not. I, I, I uh, haven't seen that one, but if you do find it, please yeah, send me a link. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely check that out. That um, yeah, I mean, I'm still looking for answers. I, I, I go back and forth on a lot of this stuff uh, from time to time, but there's just it just seems to me that if they had, they should have had an investigation where more of these people were investigated and more of these avenues. It, it seems to me that 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 crime scene was cleaned up way too fast and in way too much of a, 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 a in a sketchy manner of them, to, you know, getting rid of so much of that uh, steel yeah. so quickly that 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 it's led it's only led to more conspiracy theories. And um, the thing is, though, they weren't really thinking about conspiracy theories at the time. It's not like you know their priority uh, yeah, was were. let's let's clear up the conspiracy theories uh, ahead of time. It's it's more like they were let's try to rescue people who were trapped in the rubble and then that's let's try true, to though. recover the bodies. That's body. not true at all because the, the 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 last person pulled out of the World Trade Center alive was William Rodriguez, and he was pulled out the day after. And after that, they stopped finding bodies. So that excuse, well, they were they were still looking. They were still looking for uh, they were still looking for live people for a day or two afterwards, but then 
after that? That no, it was, cl- it was pretty clear right away that there wasn't any survivors from the from the disaster scene. Yeah, that, that was it, yeah certainly within a day or two, I think it was fairly clear because they didn't find anything. But the priority after that wasn't recovering, uh, you know, live people. It was recovering bodies. Because they uh, they actually cleared out World Trade Center 7 first, and there was no that was evacuated, so that theory is wrong. Because they needed, they needed to clear evacuated. that uh, for access because it was blocking the roads, because it fell, it fell on you know, the north roads behind uh, World Trade Center <laughs> How 7. convenient. <laughs> well, I'm not sure what you're suggesting there, but you know, I, one of my interviews I did was with uh, a structural engineer who worked at the World Trade Center site, and he wrote a book. Um, to work, I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, but it's you know, his, his name is Donald Friedman, and he wrote this book on on nine eleven. He worked there from uh, September the twelfth, the day after, and and he he says in his book very clearly that the priority of everybody who was there, uh, you know the the firemen and the steel workers and everybody else was recovering remains. It wasn't clearing. He wasn't clearing things up. He was clearing things so that they could actually get the remains of the people there. And you talk to anybody who worked on the it's site. It's a great cover and story. That's, what they say. that's a great cover story is all I'm saying is that, you know, it's a great thing to tell people. It's a great yeah. motive thing to tell so you people. Think, you think he's if lying? If you're the one in charge, if you're the one in, no, no, not them. I, but if you're, if you're the people that, like the mayor of New York, mm. um, you know, c- certain people that, um, would have been in charge of those types of things and were in charge of ordering those type those things. Um, it's the perfect excuse. It's, it's something that I've looked into, you know, quite a bit. Uh, World Trade Center 7, um, very interesting connections that aren't talked about there. And some of the research that I've done with the tenants list and the people uh, that occupied the majority of those buildings. And right. of- Yeah, I know you've got a lot of stuff about that. Actually, uh- you know, that Donald Rumsfeld... Um, he sat on the and Dick Cheney sat on the uh, foreign advisory board for uh, Solomon Smith Barney, the bank that owned eighty five percent of the floors in that building. Which I thought mm-hmm. was an interesting fact that they were so closely connected to that. They quit their positions at, at Solomon Smith Barney on that board uh, just prior to taking office in the Bush yeah, administration. Well, I think that, that would kind of work both ways, though, because they would ah. actually they would know a lot of people who would be killed uh, there if they they you know worked with uh, Solomon Smith. Barney. Well, not if anyone not if anyone was wasn't killed if the buildings were evacuated. Right, I guess so, that's uh, getting a bit into a deeper conspiracy. So let me just ask you, well, I know you have to go it, soon, but let us let me just ask you like one kind of closing question here for now. Uh, how have your opinions about the 9-11 conspiracy theories changed? Are there things that you used to believe in about uh, 9-11 conspiracies that you now no longer believe in? Yeah, one of the early things was that that pod that pod thing, and 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 I found a lot of evidence for you know I looked into the AWACS and remote controls plane systems and that systems planning corporation stuff with that with that uh, remote control plane technology. I did a lot of research into that and found a lot of stuff about all the classified programs at the time that were in, related to that. How some of the pilots that were allegedly related to this uh, might have been the pilots of, of, of Flight 77 actually into the Pentagon, that some of them took parts in drills of uh, planes going into the Pentagon and some of these other weird things that uh, have been found in the research. Um, but yeah, I think that um, 
I don't believe the pod theory anymore. I don't think that they, 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 there was a plane switch. I think that, that, that it was much, e- I think that the technology, I found more, more evidence that it'd be, e- I mean, it would just be easier for them to um, mm-hmm. implant it on the, uh, the augmented GPS and the auto, autopilot guidance system. And a lot of these people um, have reported they get locked out. Autopilot comes on and they get locked out of the controls. And that, that can, is what I, what I think happened is it'd be easier to implement that type of system than it would be to implement a drone switch and a, and a plane switch and then a deboarding and, and getting rid of all those people that were on board the plane or the idea that they went to work for secret government programs and they that they faked their deaths on 9-11 to, to change their identities and and all these other uh, you know com- yeah. complex theories that, that, gotta... that just require they require too much complexity you know you, you, but then you, you also to... think that maybe solomon smith barney evacuated the buildings before the plane said well yeah well yeah they did that's you know you you try to look for this is this is speculation not not you're you're confusing speculation on what they did with the planes with uh what what actually happened with world trade center seven as far as them evacuating the buildings that's not speculation okay right yeah i was thinking uh i guess i was thinking of the people who died in the towers which was another big uh company that, right, uh, Odigo, the, the text message company Odigo, that supposedly sent text messages to certain people within the towers that didn't show up to work, and there were certain interesting people that didn't show up to work uh, at the towers that day. Uh, one of them was uh, that guy L. Paul Bremer, um, who went on MSNBC and gave us actually the first. Um, he's the first person to finger Bin Laden as a suspect uh, for the 9/11 attacks, mm. and he uh, he actually worked uh, for Marsha McLennan, and in the uh, his office was right where Flight 11 hit in the North Tower. Um, and he, he missed work that morning and, and gave us the first uh, pronouncement of the official theory. And then he later went on to become the Iraq occupation governor. So um, uh, yeah. he's definitely on my list of potential suspects. There's always for, lines, connections you can draw. Yeah. Right. Because I tried to basically look for it, as many connections that you can draw. Like, who are the people that are involved and who got placed in important positions of power after 9-11 to do the things that 9-11 was supposed to, supposedly, if it was a conspiracy, so we could go into Iraq we should look into those people that were placed in charge mm-hmm. in Iraq because they, you know, they might, and, and it's interesting that he has that tie to, to nine 11 as well. Do you think um, there's ever like a temptation though, just to draw too many lines and you're just kind of uh, making connections where they don't exist? How do you, how do you safeguard against that? If they don't exist, then, you know, then, then there'll be, then there's nothing to this and, and no one will find, but you know, the thing is if people start digging in and they start finding more stuff, and, you know, that's where the research goes. That's where, where it's all about research is, is, is where do the lines go and where, where do you where do they lead? Is, are you actually, you know, are you chasing a, a red herring here? Or are you actually following something that that's new and legit where, where it's going to lead you somewhere and lead mm-hmm. you to other things? Um, and and uh, that's that's a decision that everyone has to take as a researcher and as, and as a skeptic and as a, you know, a, a, as a scientist, I believe, you know. Do you think the 9-11 research is going to go somewhere ultimately? I don't, I, I don't, the thing with about 9-11, right, is the people that pulled it off understood that the, the, the most important and richest uh, and most important economic factors, oil industry and, and, and the um, military in, military industrial complex are going to be behind you and they're going to support you and they're, they're never going to push for a new investigation. They're, they're both benefited. Mm. They all benefited from 9-11, like all the top commodities, all the biggest money makers, the oil, you know, the oil and military industry 
if you got them in your pocket, man, that it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like no, no matter how many, you know, architects and engineers sign on to a nine eleven truth, these people are never going to have an investigation because it's at the end of the day, it's all about the money. It's all about the Benjamins and, and they're raking in the dough right now. So I, I don't think that, uh, that they're too concerned. It's but ever going to happen. You know, I think you this think research is important for people out there on the internet to kind of want to, you know, dig in and, and, and learn more. But it, I don't think it's ever going to go mainstream because the media is too controlled and contrived. And I don't think that it's ever going to have an investigation because the people that benefited from it uh, have so much power. But why, power. why isn't it possible, though, to make a, a compelling case for, for, for the 9-11 conspiracy theory? I mean, you know, you said like the, with the, the physics thing. Uh, yeah, there's a you know a possibility it could have collapsed, but isn't there some way where you can? You're obviously convinced, and a lot of other people are convinced. So, yeah. you know, why why are you convinced by this evidence? Is is it is it just that you are? I don't know. Your your brain works in a different way. That the evidence is more accessible to you. Uh, why can't you make a case for other scientists to believe what you believe? Uh, I think I have made a pretty good case with the stuff that's on my website and, and, and on that I, on, and some of the documentaries that I put together for 9-11. I pretty well stated the case, so the best case that I could state. And uh, if that changes and it comes along, you know, every, maybe every three years I'll, I'll make a new video with a better case, um, naming better, you know, trying to dig into who, who could have, you know, actually been behind it and naming suspects and, and then looking for, again, those ties that, that, that link them to those mm. things. And, and uh and I think I've made, you know, an interesting case and I, and I hope that people expand upon it and do something with it, but I don't have high hopes for that. And I don't think it's as important as, you know, some of this other stuff that I'm pursuing now, which is why I've really right. like, I, I don't do a lot of the nine eleven research anymore because it's, I don't see it as a, a fruitful avenue. It's just like, so what people are going to know that we did this for oil and for, you know, global hegemony and control in the Middle East and, you know, uh, Afghan minerals and Afghan opium and to control the drug markets and, and, and all this other, these other uh, reasons. Um, but they're not going to, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to really like, uh, we're not going to have free energy and we're not going to have anti-gravity to get off this planet. And I think that those two things are more important, uh, in, if they exist and, uh, to look into the technology stuff has been much more fruitful and much more interesting for me as far as that yeah, goes, yeah. all this warp drive stuff, uh, and, and, and debating the Nimitz encounters and, and TTSA coming out with this, what I think is a whole bunch of Pentagon insiders, uh, you know, pulling the wool over people's eyes. Um, but I don't know. That's just where I stand on this stuff, man. And, and, and I know we disagree on, on, on certain things and we have a different approach. But uh, mm-hmm. I, again, we're, we're just people looking for the truth. I'm just I, I really I really am just someone looking for the truth and trying to understand more. And uh, it makes a lot more sense to me this, that, that 9-11, you know, was a conspiracy. It, it, according to the, the way that I, I've laid it out, it makes more sense to me. And I think the reasons for it and the reasons behind why it's not come out um, make, make sense to me. But, um, again, uh, I appreciate the work you do uh, and some of the stuff that you do, although I don't agree with everything. Uh, it's good training ground, um, because there are a lot of these bad arguments and these weaker arguments out there. And, and, um, you know, it's the, I feel like you, you, people like you have helped me sharpen the knife, uh, as far as what, you know, I don't really, I realize, you know, going after thermite and going after explosives at the World Trade Center is not, and, and the physics, the arguments alone are, aren't really going to get us anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's why I started, started really looking into the tenants and the connections, you know, were there any, you know, 
were there any such connections? And oh yes, in fact there were. Um, you know, you look at the Rumsfeld resume, and uh, you know, Dick, him and him and Dick Cheney, um, they both were in, engaged in this uh, continuity of government program, which I think was a, a core aspect. I think that's what where nine eleven was planned and and thought out. It's basically like a whole. It's a whole section of the government. It's a think tank that they, they basically get all these military people together and they come up with the most insane doomsday scenarios imaginable. And then they dream up how the government would react, you know, to, you know, multiple, multiple mm-hmm. airplane hijackings was one of the scenarios. I'm sure uh, the Dawson airline hijackings that had happened where five airlines were hijacked in 1979 and flown to Jordan on September 11th, mind you. Um <laughs> So they had to have known about these sort of things and had to have had these think tanks. There's evidence that they have these think tanks and, and um, there's evidence that Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld took uh, part in, in a lot of those think tanks to basically dream up doomsday scenarios and come up with, uh, you know, counter counter planning and that sort of thing. And I think that that's sort of like where, where a lot of these, if the 9-11 was a conspiracy, that's where it was birthed out on, 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 on it's basically like you're basically giving them this opportunity to collect all the intelligence on, on something and uh, then be able to, you know, they, they had all, all the intelligence they needed to, to do nine 11 and get away with it, with the, that mm. kind of access to a program like that. Yeah. I think, I think it's interesting. A lot of nine 11 people in the nine eleven community do actually kind of end up not focusing so much on uh, the controlled demolition and whatnot. And they do move on to like things like, like, like people and the, the politics and uh, things like that uh, in, instead, uh, which in a way is, is somewhat less tangible, even though you can like you know, name names and whatnot, but you, you, you don't know, you know, you can't do physics, you can't do equations with, with people. So it's, it's in some ways it's less tangible, but in some ways it's more accessible because you've got people's names and dates and places and things like that. So, but anyway, I know you uh, uh, You probably have to go and we have, we, we have gone over an hour now. So, oh, if people want to learn more about uh, what you've been saying, like should they go to alienscientist.com? Yes, I'm going to be updating that soon. They can go to alienscientist.com. They can also follow me on uh, Facebook and Twitter. And um, we also have that falconspace.org uh, I'm, I'm putting together um, for the program, falconspace.org. Uh, yeah, do you want to say something about that real quick, like what, so what Falcon Space is about? And also, I have hoverbrothers.com. It's kind of like oh, yeah, my, that, was, that was my first version of, of what I launched. I launched Hover Brothers uh, back in 1998 um, as sort of a response to when TTSA came out and said that they were going to build a spacecraft. I, I, and, and they were talking about metamaterials. I said, well, metamaterials aren't even scratching the surface. You're not talking about quasi crystals or NLOs, non nonlinear optical materials, or any of these other, like, uh, they're not talking about polaritons or. Um, excitons or any of these you know real condensed matter physics technologies um which are the real rage right now in the community mm-hmm. that anyone knows um but anyways i i created like hover brothers first to kind of compete with them and, and they, they said they're going to create a spacecraft but they don't uh, i'm like saying we i have way more science and way more stuff than you guys have been doing this you know way longer <laughs> you know I know I, I read all the papers of all your your scientists and more, and I don't know. That's kind of like what what I was coming out with with that. And then Falcon Space, I teamed up recently with uh, these other guys who have done a ton of research in the Bifeld Brown effect already, and built a lot of these thrusters and built a lot of these uh, a lot of these gizmos from um, other people's on the internet. You know, copying other people's videos, and they tried a lot of stuff out already. And they sort of linked out. They reached out to me, and I and I linked up with them. And uh, we're going to be doing a lot more experiments hopefully this coming year to try to you know, 
figure out what it works and what right. doesn't. And, and uh, yeah, <laughs> hopefully sounds, we get somewhere. Uh, sounds <laughs> interesting. All right, Jeremy. Well, uh, I want to thank you very much for, for coming on and uh, uh, sharing all this stuff with me. And uh, there's a lot of material here, so maybe we can uh, we can do do it again sometime. Yeah, definitely. I enjoyed coming on, and uh, and thank you. And uh, and uh, keep up the great work with what you're doing on the Nimitz Encounters and, and talking to those people because we'll <laughs> I'm enjoying the show. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Jeremy. See you. Right. Thanks. Thanks.